it's a really good time to practice self-kindness because self-kindness can do nothing but serve us in the future, especially our creativity. We have to be kind to ourselves to show up for ourselves and to self-express. So being kind, and it's not going to be perfect. Our self-kindness isn't going to be perfect. To note that and to do a little what's called metacognition, and that is just being aware of what we're thinking and what we're doing and being curious about it. Hi, welcome back. I'm Christina Barsi, your host, and this is Be Bold Begin, the podcast designed to help you find your purpose and unblock the blocks with Kaizen creative tools and tips. And we are not alone today. I have a wonderful guest with us that is going to enlighten you and bring the magic. I'm absolutely sure of it. Our guest today is Jill Badonsky, and I think of her as the mother of the methodology that I use through this podcast and throughout all of my workshops and the foundational work I do with my podcasting clients. And of course, I use it every day in my life and have had so many life-changing shifts from this experience. She is the founder of Kaizen Muse Creativity Coaching, and we're going to get more into that later, but I took I took the coaching program and became certified. I think it was back in 2015. It may have been 2014. I'm not sure, but it was the best thing I could have done for my life. I literally had no idea how much magic was about to enter my world. Welcome, Jill. Thank you. Nice to be here. So glad to have you here. Honestly, you you feel like my creativity fairy godmother. <laughs> that I'm super lucky to have. <laughs> I was just listening to the introduction and I'm just really flattered and happy that you're taking this work out into the world the way you do because I know you've given it your own special Barcy spin. So Aww. that's great. Thank you for that. That means a lot. And I also want to say like the thing I took away from this the most, which I think is the biggest shift, was learning how to live an intentional life. There is something about not letting life happen and figuring out how to be intentional. That was just, it seems obvious now, but very eye-opening. Didn't even realize I was not doing that. And that was just, that blew my mind and became a wonderful practice. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize they're not living an intentional life. And th these tools the question asking and just the small steps, I think they, it just organically leads you to, to more intention without being goal related, which for me was really hard when I, you know, wanted to start things is I'm just not a linear person. So having goals and having a one, two, three organized outline for it just didn't work for me. So just taking one step at a time is really important in terms of what is this going to open up and what is this going to tell me about what is next? Yes, that's a, it's the curiosity that I'm hearing in that process that makes it fun and makes it easy and doable. And I think one step at a time is so powerful right now as well. We can talk about that. But before we jump in, I want to also formally introduce you that was my fun. This is how I know you <laughs> introduction, but you've done a lot of amazing things. So here is our formal introduction. Jill Badonsky, MED. Is that, is that how you say it? MED? Uh-huh. Okay. Tell me what that means. It's a master's in education. Oh, fantastic. So. Okay. So Jill Badonsky with a master's in education is the founder of Kaizen Muse Creativity Coaching author and illustrator of The Nine Modern Day Muses and The Amanic, A Daily Dose of Wonder, and The Muse is In, An Owner's Manual to Your Creativity. Those are all amazing. Jill designed and implemented Kaizen Muse Creativity Coaching Training based on 30 years experience in creative wellness, instructional design, creative consultation with national magazines, national workshop tours, as well as her own experience overcoming blocks as a writer, multimedia artist, playwright, award-winning inspirational humorist, yoga teacher, and soul collage facilitator. You might have to tell me what that is too. She guides individuals by using unprecedented approaches to 
busting through blocks to creative joy. And to me, joy is the key word there. Thank you so much for being here once again. That's a really lovely background that you've grown and utilized in your life and in this whole program, I think. Thanks for reading that. I haven't read that in a long time. <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear what I have to say based on that. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll see. <laughs> I love that. It is always really interesting to see the guests' experience with their own bio, hearing their life read back to them is a really fun thing to do and it's almost like a credit report <laughs> I was gonna say that you know we we sometimes forget the things we've accomplished because our survival minds go into what do I need to do here what, what's what haven't I done mm -hmm. um, instead of look what I did and and I, I think it's really important to do that as you know because then we have a kind of a momentum that we realize we've already built and we can begin to push off of it rather than starting new every single day. So Yes, that's a great way to put it. It's it's the momentum. There's a lot of momentum there. And and yeah, it does sometimes feel like you're starting from scratch all the time, especially with new ideas. It's like, okay, I don't know anyone in this community or I don't know how to get started in this space, but you're still taking everything you've done with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we we forget that and it's one of one of the questions we ask right off the bat when we're working with clients is what's worked for you in the past? What have you done? And sometimes that's enough. Sometimes I've had clients go, you know, I'm doing more than I thought. Yeah. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> totally. I make everyone do a credit report like constantly and people know what that is here too because I do episodes about it and I post about it and it's one of my favorite tools and even if you don't feel good after it's such a good awareness raising mm -hmm. tool as well yeah to kind of see how you feel about what you do do or what you don't do so I love it yeah and I think it's I'm not sure if we talked about it in your training but it's evolved to the place where people do have a hard time with it there there are some things that we do to help them because some people when they're in a credit report, and just to review for any new listeners, it's it's it has nothing to do with numbers, but it has to do with what what went well this week. What, what am I glad I did? And there's a lot of perfectionists out there that, even after they're finished with it, they're like, "Big deal. It's not it's not what I wanted to get done." And so they they struggle even with giving themselves a little bit of credit. So we we have to work with like the what I call that four part belief maker mm -hmm. when you it can be unrealistic to leap from I'm not doing enough to oh I'm doing plenty look what I've done so just to to ask the question what would it feel like what would it feel like to be able to give myself credit or can I give myself just five percent more credit than I did a few moments ago and that can can just you know, create an entryway for being able to feel better about ourselves when we've had a long history of creating a pattern of, of not being able to feel good about ourselves or what we've done. Definitely. And that, that tool you just described of what, what would it feel like as part of the four part belief maker, correct? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you don't need all four parts. I think the question asking is one of the most important parts because our brain can't refuse questions. So begins to work on yeah what would that feel like and sometimes it's not even conscious the answer we just begin to feel better about what we've done and about ourselves when we ask that question because we're usually asking questions like how come they're doing more than I'm doing or how come I can never get this done and our subconscious will work on that but it, the answers aren't as helpful as you know what would it feel like if I just took a little small step here for me it's it's been one of the most important tools of all these tools just to ask that question because it's so low pressure and mm -hmm. high pressure is what puts people into procrastination and resistance and avoidance and giving up. Yes. Yes. I think raising awareness around how we feel and figuring out what that gauge is for everyone is really can be really life-changing once you figure out how to have that connection with your feeling of resistance, basically like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm resisting this. 
this does not feel good. And rather than powering through, which is very much a Western rhetoric, I think, in the workplace especially, it's like, just power through, just get through it, just do it anyway. It's like, sometimes we have to do that, but if, if you have the choice to do it more joyfully, it's much easier to go, okay, well, how can I get it done but feel good about it too? And I think the joyfully is really important because that's what's going to bring us back into the perseverance and perseverance is one of the key steps in any kind of success whether it's business or creativity or relationships or anything it's just persevering and if it's feels more joyful we're going to gravitate towards it more than if oh, i got to power through this again 100% I talk about that a lot in the podcasting space because of the nature of podcasting is you have to keep going it's a show every week no one's telling you when your season is over except for you and it just has to go and go and go and it's a slow long game and a lot of the workshops I do are all about you know how to find how to find that foundational joy so that you understand and remember why you started in the first place and that is what will keep you going is knowing your why I talk about that a lot and it comes from that same concept that you just described of why joy is so important mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's it's a big question when I hear a client is resistant is what brought you here what do you love about this and Again, the mind is not usually there unless it's practicing higher consciousness. It's usually, how come I can't get to this? And this is hard and yeah. and that kind of thing. So it's all focus, gentle focus. Yes, I like that, gentle focus. So we, we talked a lot about the tools already that are in Kaizen Muse, but can you just tell us a little bit about what what is Kaizen Muse creativity coaching and what led you to creating it? Well, I'll start with what led me to creating it because that that gives a lot of information. I I was blocked too. I was trying to write a book and not getting to it. So I went to a life coach and there's all sorts of exceptions in life coaching. But this particular life coach blocked me even more because she put me on a linear path and she overwhelmed me. And I think a lot of creative people are overwhelmed and they don't work linearly. Like they don't go from... They don't have this outline that that works for them. So, you know, wanting to write a book, she would go, okay, well, next time we meet, let's have a chapter written. And not only was that unrealistic for me, but she was telling me what to do. And creative people don't really like to be told what to do. So that that put me even in more resistance. So I, I went home and I was like really frustrated and thought, okay, I gotta make this fun for myself and give myself a choice. So I started coming up with what would work for me and would go back and tell her, you can't tell me what to do. You've got to say, okay, think of three things that might make you happy and do one of them. And I realized, wait a minute, I'm telling the coach what to say to me. Maybe <laughs> I need to, maybe I need to put together something here myself. And how many creative people are being blocked out there because they're expected to do the same as a a left brain person. Mm. And we have left brain techniques. So I put it together really to work with my own blocks. And that's how I wrote my first book, which ironically was about getting through creative blocks. And I had to make the entire book fun for myself. That's why it's about muses. And that's the muse part of Kaizen Muse are these nine muses and a bodyguard, which really are creative voices personified. So the voices we often listen to are the ones I've talked about before, fear and high-pressured expectations and comparison. And we're just not going to get very far with those voices. And the voices of the muses are, let's pay attention to what works. Let's think differently. Let's have fun. Let's be kind to ourselves. Let's have courage and they're all personified as these muses. And then I met up with Dr. Maurer, Dr. Robert Maurer, who wrote the book, and One Small Step Will Change Your Life, The Kaizen Way, which was in line with one of my muses, Marge, who was all about small steps. Mm-hmm. And I learned about Kaizen, and Kaizen is this technique that's been around for a long time that industries have used to 
to help people. The word literally means continuous improvement. And usually it's through small steps. So using these creative voices and continuous improvement through small steps is what makes up Kaizen News. And it's just a really gentle program. And a lot of the people who have gone through it and gone through other programs note how different it is because it's really honoring of being human. You know, it's honoring of of normalizing the fact that we procrastinate and that we do all of these things. And in that acceptance, we can work with it better than just kind of forcing ourselves to do something in a way that doesn't work for us. It's really gentle. There's a experience in every single session because we believe that, you know, talking about the creative process is a really important part of the creative process. But most of the clients that come to Kaizen News Creativity Coaching are are blocked and resistant and procrastinating and avoiding. So just talking about it is another way of avoiding it. So we just put them to work in the session with really tiny, lowered expectations, which break through the resistance and create a momentum that they continue after the call. Mm. And doing guided relaxations to get people in touch with a really powerful part of their intuition has been something that most clients will identify as one of the most helpful parts of the session, which I was really resistant to to doing for a long time because it seems so woo-woo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, we're going to take you into a space. But what happens is people get out of that jabbering mind and into a really wise place inside of them and a place that is really hard to access in any other way than being guided to it and and asked what kind of message you're getting right now. So I think that's a real important distinction as well as small steps that are smaller than most people will define them as. When we ask somebody to break something down to a really small step, they'll still say a half an hour or they'll still say every day. And we're talking so small that asking a question is a step or pointing yourself in the direction of your work is a step. So they're so small that they're hard not to do, but they create a momentum and people end up doing more with small steps than they would with these high pressured expectations. Would you say that that's why small steps basically work is because they're undeniable? They're so small that you cannot not do it? I think so, because I think one of the biggest blocks is these unrealistic expectations and not so much that they're unrealistic, they're just high pressure. And they bring up fear. And we, you know, we have fear for an important reason, and that's our survival. But what happens in the brain, as you know, when we go into fear is the amygdala flares up, which turns off the cortex and the cortex is is responsible for our creativity. So we go into fight or flight, even now, even the a fear as small as I'm not sure what direction to take, we're just overcompensating from a long time ago. So that fear does the same thing to our brain. So when you break it down really small, can you just point yourself? Can you just set your your space up a little bit for five minutes? The fear doesn't activate. So we're in the process. And then what happens is we usually don't stop at just five minutes or for some people, 30 seconds. We continue. Then we have this wonderful feeling of success that propels us along because we love most of us love the feeling of success. And if you set out for a half an hour and you do 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you failed. And we're less likely to really look forward to another session of failure. Right. We like these little little steps that are, are small success experiences that build. And then one of the other really important parts of the creative process is confidence. And it seems like a contrived way to build confidence. But after a while, this pattern of practicing small steps and succeeding, we go away with this feeling of of confidence. And in confidence, we have courage. And courage, we have the ability to share our work, to go in directions that we feared before or that we didn't even consider because we didn't have the confidence to, to think that we could do it. So the slow building of confidence is another important part of of small steps. Mm-hmm. It's so vital in the creative process. There, 
as you know, there can be really talented people out there with lots of skill, but if they don't have the confidence in it, they're they're not going to take next steps. And there's really people who aren't as skillful or talented who do have the courage and they get a lot further than some of the people. We've seen them. We've seen people and we go, I could do that. Right. <laughs> How dare they put themselves out there with at that level of quality? And yet we're not. We're not doing it. And they are. And their work is hanging in many modern art museums. <laughs> so. That is so true about the doing. It's, it's, you know, whoever does the thing gets the opportunity. So it, I think it brings up comparison for a lot of people and trying to separate those two ideas from for a lot of creative people, I think is can feel overwhelming. And I, I get I hear a lot of that in, in LA, particularly, where it's like, well, I tried once and it didn't work out. <laughs> but then this person over here who is less skilled is doing well and I don't get it. So I don't want to play the game at all. And it turns into this interesting, like, I don't know how to get, get back into my own flow because of that very concept. So it's, it's, it's very normal and very common. And it's so normal. And the comparison thing is, is ruthless and toxic and so normal. It's just part of who we are as people is to compare ourselves it's part of that fear Mm -hmm. mechanism that we have i fear that i'm not as good as other people and so why should i try and it goes back to unrealistic expectations too i tried once i i hear that so many times i'm not a writer i tried it yeah and yeah but the the writers that are good tried it and it didn't work and then they tried it again and it didn't work and then they tried it 400 other times and it didn't work and then finally it worked because that's the initiation and being a writer and to compare ourselves to people who who have been in it for a long time is delusional I mean it's normal (laughs) but it's delusional at the same time and it's so important to come up with a mechanism for comparison because a lot of those people don't even make it into our workshops or as clients because they've already compared themselves and derailed themselves. So I think the normalization that you've talked about is, is really important to just go, it's, it's mindfulness. It's going, it's catching yourself. Oh, I'm comparing myself. That's what we do as humans. It, that in and of itself takes you out of the whole drama of it and can, you know, lead towards the perspective we need to, so what, I'm going to do it anyway, you know, they're doing it better than I am doing it yet, you know, the, the, I'm not that good yet, that little yet can make a whole difference between I'm not good at this and I'm not good at this yet. Right. But also looking at what other people are doing and, and instead of being derailed by it going, what is one small thing I could learn about this? What's a small step I could take based on this comparison? And even just thinking about that small step without the pressure to have to do it is better than I can't do this. Look what they're doing. And I, I think the last one that I use a lot because it speaks to the subconscious is, and it doesn't work for everything, but wherever it does work, I'll use it. And that is looking at what people are doing. Let's say I I land on a website and I'm like, oh my God, this website is so much better than my website. And then I'll go, first of all, I'll go, oh, I'm human. And then I'll I'll go, look what we're doing. Because the subconscious hears that. And it's instead of hearing, look what they're doing and look what I'm not doing. It's hearing, look what we're doing as women or as people in this century. And again, it becomes a place to push off from rather than a place to be vacant from. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sounds like a way to find solidarity in something you identify with, like you said, women or maybe, you know, everyone who's creating a website in your space or people who are doing work in your area in some way. Is that accurate? Yes. And, it, and again, we can't leap to it immediately. There's going to be part of ourselves that go, well, that didn't feel good. <laughs> but we, we can go, what would it feel like if, if I felt like I was part of this community of these people putting together websites and podcasts and works of art? Look what we're doing. And I just think it's a real positive reframe of, of who we are, which can serve us rather than, you know, take us away from 
the whole game in the first place. I agree. And that's such a great way to, I love that first question of, you know, what would it feel like if I could learn something from this or what would it feel like to be proud of, of this thing I'm comparing myself to (laughs) Or or to know I'm on my own path and I'm going at my own rate and, you know, the, the ego wants to hear also, which sometimes works without saying it out loud. I do things better than other people too. <laughs> so sure. just giving ourselves credit for what we have done as yes. well. I, I love the, the honoring of being human. I think that is just so awareness raising and, and acknowledging that is we, we try to ignore our humanness in so many areas and compartments of life that that was one of the most freeing things to just say oh yeah fear is normal oh right so comparing everyone does that oh so you know just all of these realizations of hey we're we're all doing that at some point and it it sounds like it's not a big thing but it's I found it's huge with clients. Sometimes clients will identify that as the most helpful part of the session, that you said this is normal or that you've had problems with this too because we, then we can just feel like, oh, it's not just me. Uh, I'm a part of a bigger group. And that's so human to want to be a part of a bigger group instead of feeling. And it, it again, it's delusional to think I'm the only one that procrastinates or I'm the only one that compares myself. But we do because we get into this myopic world as creative people or as humans. And just reframing it that way is is a really big part of self-kindness, mm-hmm. I think. It's just going, oh, look what I'm doing. And that's what we do as humans. And I think that's a real important distinction of Kaizen Muse as well. Because I think other systems can real, really scold people. Oh, you're procrastinating? Oh, no. Making it odd rather than going, yeah, me too. Welcome to the club. Welcome to being human. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And there's that's something about the matter of factness of it, too. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I don't have to really lean into this feeling of being alone in this anymore. That's not where your drama needs to be. You don't need to have your drama there. Right. <laughs> you yeah. Can have your, you can have your drama with sharing your, your ideas and, and use that enthusiasm for something else. Yes. I like, I like that phrasing of, of how to, like, where to put your energy and how to use it. And so you talked a little bit about mindfulness. You talked a little bit about self-kindness. And I think those things are really at the core of this as well and it's hard to ignore that we are currently experiencing a global pandemic and uh, I I want to acknowledge ways people can kind of well acknowledge that they're that we're all going through a pandemic first of all and that there are, are things coming with that that you don't get to really have a day-to-day in the same way we did before so what do you can you share some techniques of how we can use self-kindness and mindfulness right now for someone who maybe doesn't have a practice like that? Mm-hmm. Yes, I can. I I think one of the first things is one of the things we've been talking about, and that is to, to acknowledge how normal <laughs> some of the abnormal things that are happening to us are that and that it's different for everybody. I think that's a really important one for me because when it first started, you know, my friends, I had friends that were, I just made 75 face masks and <laughs> right. I'm, I'm baking bread. I just finished my book. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and other friends are like, I can't get out of bed. And it's different for everybody. And those people who made the 75 face masks, you know, that's their coping mechanism. And they're not making them anymore because we just we got thrown out of our our habits, habits that we have made for years that we're used to that are familiar, that are comfortable, even if they're ones that don't serve us. And we're we're in this new place. And a lot of people immediately needed to do something tangible and helpful because that's that was their response to fear. Um, a lot of this is a response to fear and other people 
went into Netflix marathons, and I think almost for everybody, eating was a big part of it. Yes, and eating and drinking. Be- eating and drinking, because those are things that weren't taken away from us, and they're things that feel good or familiar. And, you know, as far as drinking, they're, they're an avoidance technique or numbing. Um, so all of these things are normal. And there's no reason to judge ourselves for any of them, which, again, can be a challenge, especially for the perfectionist. I, I think perfectionists have a really hard time during this time because they're like, I need to be doing something perfectly. And if I don't feel well about this, I need to fix it. And, you know, per- I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist. It's like, I'm, I'm not feeling really good about this. What can I do? And sometimes just going, I don't need to do anything. I can just allow this. This is a weird time. And it's a really good time to practice self-kindness because self-kindness can do nothing but serve us in the future, especially our creativity. We have to be kind to ourselves to show up for ourselves and to self-express. So being kind, and it's not going to be perfect. Our self-kindness isn't going to be perfect. Right. And to just to note that and to do a little what's called metacognition, which you might be aware of, and that is just being aware of what we're thinking and what we're doing and being curious about it. I think, you know, I get caught up in in all of this and, and irritability is really pretty common right now. We're, we're, we're grieving. So we're going through all the stages of grief. We're angry and we're irritable and we're in avoidance. We're bargaining. Some of us are in acceptance and then we get out of acceptance. So even those stages aren't linear. But what a great time to be curious, just to be, when you when I catch myself and just really curious about some of the different things I'm doing, like popcorn has become really important to me (laughs) (laughs) and I'm just like oh my god I'm almost out of popcorn I gotta go get some more popcorn and you know mainly because I started out with all the really bad stuff for you and it's not that popcorn's that great for you but it's it's sort of not that bad for you and so then I, I just went, well, this is really curious. It's never been this important before. And the practice of curiosity is also a, a creative practice. So if we can, it's, it just has so many different purposes. It it takes us out of the judgment. You know, being curious takes you out of, why are you eating so much popcorn? Or or why are you so nutty? It's just like, how how curious that I'm, having this popcorn thing and you know maybe I'll write a poem about popcorn ode to popcorn or write about my affair with popcorn it's very Neridian of you yeah (laughs) (laughs) or ask why popcorn (laughs) or do a big painting of a giant popcorn kernel just to I love to sort of give space for these weird things that are happening and and being mindful, I think, is a part of self-kindness in terms of a lot of people in my classes are saying how important nature has become. And just because of the elimination of so many other things that those of us going out for walks can go, oh, my God, look at these flowers. And some of the things that have distracted us are not there. So the flowers become more important or mm-hmm. the breeze or the sunshine and so directing our attention to these things as much as possible, because distractibility is also big right now. And people are trying to, oh, I should be reading more. My friend just read five books. I should be reading more. And some of us are really too distracted to even read. And so going back to our small steps, just breaking things down so small. I mean, I'm one of the distracted ones in terms of reading, but I want to read. So I just go, I'm just going to read one sentence tonight that's my small step and of course I end up reading more than one sentence but it was enough just to to get myself there yeah and 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 it's kind and it's it's just really useful now to be using these small steps what if I just set my stuff up for painting for five minutes and I think the other part is 
you know, all of these Zoom meetings and all of these new communities that have come up can be overwhelming for people. Mm-hmm. At first, some of my friends were trying to do every Zoom, everything that's available. This is free. This is free. This is, you know, theater and song and and live streaming and and all of these things. And then they, they just totally spun their wheels on them because it was too much. But structure is really important right now. And having a place, picking one or two or or three things that where we can show up and socialize or connect or learn something makes it easier because we're being fed in a way instead of, I have to figure this out. Somebody else figured out this class. So let me just take this class or, mm-hmm. but know that it can be overwhelming all the offerings out there now. So listen, really listen to what energizes you the most rather than, you know, I have friends that are like, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see this? And I was like, stop telling me those things. And But if one of them, oh, wait, that one sounds really interesting. If one of them has, I have this inner feeling, this gut feeling of, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one I'll follow, but not all the other ones just because everybody else is, is doing them. So really being true to yourself, taking a break, watching yourself in this fascinating non-linear flow of today I'm in control but tomorrow I may not be and mm-hmm. and just the I think having something to say to ourselves just this too shall pass or just breathe finding what works for yourself that's kind that you can say to yourself wow. and kind of one of the most important for me is is meditation even if it's just two minutes just turning off all of this chatter and being aware of my breathing and then when my mind wanders because it inevitably does seeing where it goes and in that practice we're seeing where we're being yanked around and so we can have more control and just go oh look this is this is now part of my obsession and let me just go back to breathing and each time that we go back is a it's just a victory in terms of of directing our attention where we want it to go I like that and I think meditation is becoming more common uh, for people to kind of know how to start or it's where people talk about it more without it feeling woo-woo but what I hear often from others who don't have a practice is that they say, you know, I'm not good. I'm I'm not good at that. I'm just not good at that. I can't stop my brain. You're not supposed to stop your brain. I just want to point that out for anyone who does not have a practice. What you described is the observation of your thoughts and just allowing it to be and being curious about it. And I think that's a nice way to begin a meditation practice is to take a couple of minutes to sit quietly, to breathe so that you have that to anchor you and focus on if you feel like your thoughts are getting overwhelming and then just to observe and then move on and to know that your mind will wonder about a hundred times yes and that's that's normal yes it's normal and it does that for everybody yes and and I and you're right I think these you know one that I listen to is 10% happier the podcast and Mm. the app and again the structure of having somebody lead you through a meditation even my mind wonders even when I'm doing that, but it helps. And they're really good at normalizing. Yeah, your mind's going to wonder. So yeah. when you catch it, and sometimes you don't catch it for a very long time, and that's normal too. Right. So. And it, even for, I mean, I've been meditating really since I started this. You, you kind of introduced me to it, to be honest, with guided meditations. And I had no idea that a meditation could be guided like that and it changed my life and it went really deep one day and I was like oh my gosh this is this is amazing I can I can keep doing this but now my brain is so busy with the distracting stress that's in the background of this situation that we're in that I'm having a harder time meditate so I also just want to point out that the process will be different from day to day and even Mm -hmm. minute to minute sometimes Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even if if thirty seconds can be done, that's that can be enough to open the door to the practice of of allowing it and just to allow the distractions to to just be watching them, and again being curious. Look, 
look where they're going and this is so interesting takes us out of the judgment of it I think yeah so just to summarize so people can take away the sort of summary of what we offered here with tools is we've got trying a meditation practice which links up with the curiosity just being curious rather than focusing on the oh why am I thinking that or what am I doing with that and getting fixated takes us out of that uh, among other things small small questions something we can say to ourselves I feel like those are connected to sometimes my small question is my affirmation Mm -hmm. that helps me through my process in fact it works really well for me when they're tied together like that for example my big shifting one I talk about a lot is what if it were easy I like to I used to make things very hard Mm-hmm. A lot of us do, yeah. Just and I would say it to myself. Oh, this is so hard in my head constantly. God, I don't want to do this. It's so hard. Just all the resistance mm-hmm. and just probably self victimization too. Of like, oh my god, this is. I don't want to do this. This is hard. This is hard. This part of my life is so hard. And this introducing the no. Oh, what if it were easy? And feeling like if it were easy for a few seconds, and that became an affirmation too. And my whole life changed after that. And that's a whole other story, but yeah, it, it, those two things can live together or they can be separate. You can have something nice that you say to yourself every day. Like, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think the questions are really powerful because then your subconscious works on answering them. And it's, again, you're not telling yourself what to do. You're not going, I am relaxed. I am relaxed. <laughs> you're, you're going, what would it feel like to be relaxed? So it's, it's a much gentler way yes, to go. Yes. And I think we do a lot of self reprimanding. Why can't you relax right now? You're supposed to, right. you're not doing it. You have no, nothing for me. It's like, there's nothing left. You finished everything today. Why can't you relax? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's instead of like, you know, reprimanding ourselves, it's a nice idea for me to remember right now as well. It's like, what if, what would it feel like to breathe deep right now for a couple seconds or what would it feel like to feel relaxed Mm -hmm. it's such a shift and it's so simple and easy like you said no pressure so small questions and then small steps what's what's a tiny tiny thing we can do in the direction that we want to move in and structure so we talked about a lot of things structure as well what what can we do Mm -hmm. for ourselves each day where we can show up Mm -hmm. yeah and take some days off. I mean, take some weeks off sometimes. That's another one. The balance. Mm-hmm. The energetic, <laughs> knowing what energizes you. And that's a practice for sure. A lot of us don't know yet what that feels like. I think a simple way to ex- exercise that is like truly like when you're choosing what to eat, like what do you get excited about versus mm-hmm. what are you like? I don't want that. <laughs> it's that same. Popcorn. Yeah, it's that same <laughs> feeling, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I want popcorn. Yeah, it's like that. that sounds fun. I want to do that. Yeah. it's the same that's our intuition in a lot of ways that's it is yeah totally. yeah yeah you know what one thing that really boggles my mind sometimes is when somebody comes to coaching I train people to ask them what do you think would work which sounds really funny because they're coming to us for help but we have so much inside of us that we we don't activate unless we're kind of triggered in that that direction to just go what would work for you in this moment or if this doesn't feel good you know I have a I have a little acronym that was inspired by Tara Brock but I I made it work for myself and that is it's ROAR R-O-A-R-R and it is just realize that I've been thrown off a little bit and I don't have to do anything about it is what the R is just realize this feels weird and as perfectionists want to try and fix it, but we don't have to, we can just allow it. It doesn't mean not do anything about our lives. It's just this feeling. I don't have to do anything about this feeling. And the O is for just observe. Is this something a lot of people would be thrown off about? And the answer is for the most part, yes, we're thrown off about this. And is it individual to me for for instance, I was telling about the construction next door and it's just making me crazy. So just observing, would this make anybody crazy? It would make a lot of people crazy, but me in particular, because I'm really hypersensitive to noise. So that makes sense. And that helps a little bit more. And the A is for just not accept the noise, but accept that there's something wrong right now. 
it's not okay right now. And just accepting that can can help with it. And the R is, is release. How much of this can I release just with the next breath? And the second R is how can I respond to myself? What can I say to myself? What can I reply to myself? And for me, you know, at least for this construction, it's this too shall pass. And that just works better than, I can't believe they're doing this. <laughs> so just being aware of what we're saying to ourselves about it and asking these questions and, again, being curious about it. That's a, that's a great tool. It's one that I I forget about, to be honest, because when you're in a situation, it's sometimes easy to forget the tools. <laughs> oh, definitely. I do too. <laughs> yeah, but it's a great reminder that that's, that's there for us. And, and just remembering simply like to be curious, if you can just start to be curious about how we're feeling each moment that can help trigger applying some tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all a practice. And if we just say to ourselves, this is a practice. There's not any end place I'm trying to get to. It's a process and practicing patience and curiosity, even if it's not perfect. Right. I almost think it would be a nice way for people who want to try having a practice if they haven't employed one quite yet to use this time to practice having a practice because we are faced with a little extra right now. And sometimes when I'm in a difficult situation, the way I can take myself out of feeling like this, this sucks, this is so difficult, is to practice the tools I want in other parts of my life. And that mm-hmm. was really helpful to figure out for myself and to make changes and turn something I was very much fighting into something that was now a playing ground for my own practice. Mm-hmm. And just starting with the question, what, what practice would feel good right now? What little tiny way can I make it easier for yes. sure yes yes my favorite again what would make it yeah easier? <laughs> it's 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 one of my favorites because I came from a family like this is hard that'll be hard mine too <laughs> that's where it comes from yes yes yeah and it's it's such a liberating thought to think this could be easy how can I make this easier yeah. yes it's so freeing even just saying asking the question it's very mm-hmm. freeing if that resonates with with someone who's listening So what would you like people to most understand from this conversation we just had? All of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, take everything home with you. (laughs) Listen to it several times. No, I think just having people ask themselves, what was most helpful for me about this conversation? And and I I think one of the the tools that is important in Kaizen Muse is repetition. Mm. And that we, we have habitual ways of thinking and just to uh, whatever worked for you to write it down to review it to to have a little reminder of these things because that's the best way to to create the change that you want is to expose yourself to where you want to go which is easier than I don't want to be there anymore but going towards something and going this this spoke to me about this podcast. I want to remember this and write it down and have it posted someplace or send myself a electronic card in the future or just some way to, to keep it in our consciousness. Mm. I think that's really nice. I like the idea of sending ourselves something because that's also a practice of self-kindness. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Jill. It's a really nice way to to basically kaizen you kaizen to that question <laughs> kaizen mused it i did living and breathing this stuff <laughs> yeah it's, it's truly asking yourself what what worked and and what your take your takeaway you the listener from this was and and having a reminder i love that so jill what are you working on right now i think you told me you were writing a book i am and and no surprise it's it's about curiosity and asking questions and i'm also working on a kind of a multimedia take home creativity retreat that is going to be youtube but have a number of different things that supplement it Ooh. and i'm still doing my my retreats i have one in february who knows what will be happening in february but i do one every year in taos new mexico 
So hopefully that'll still happen. Will you do it virtually if, if, if you have to, or not if you have to, but if you, we can't be in person? I will. I was supposed to speak at Omega at the end of June, and I'll be doing that, not for Omega, but uh, I'll be doing what I was going to do virtually. Great. And where can people find you? At kaizenmuse.com, K-A-I-Z-E-N-M-U-S-E, or they can Google Jill Badonsky, B-A-D-O-N-S-K-Y, and (laughs) I put up a prompt every day on Facebook. It's a creativity prompt. People want to get on the little practice of answering a creative question every day. You can find me there. On Facebook. Great. Yes. Lots of good stuff on Facebook from you. Thanks. Any last words? I don't think so. This has been fun. Thank you. It's been a joy to share and to talk to you. It's been lovely having you on. Thank you so, so much for dropping so much knowledge for everyone and really succinctly expressing all of the wonderful things that I love about Kaizen Muse and giving people an introduction to curiosity and this time we're living in and and that you're human and that you're normal. Yeah. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Be Bold Begin. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so as not to miss an episode. Due to the unusual circumstances, our release schedule will not be set to a specific day currently. So the best way to ensure you get all the new episodes is by subscribing. Help us build a positive community by joining the Facebook group, also called Be Bold Begin. I'll be checking it daily to answer and acknowledge any of your questions and comments. Stay positive and safe out there. Season two of Be Bold Begin is brought to you by the free podcasting for abundance course called Be the Leading Podcast Voice in Your Niche, How to Use the Principles of Abundance as a Tool. You can find the free course by creating a login and signing in on our website, avanthousemedia.com or ahmcreate.com. This course is all about how to podcast from a place of abundance. And what does that mean? To be a leader in your niche, you have to feel like a leader and have the mindset of a leader. We'll explore some tools on how to access the feelings of abundance to stay in that empowerment state and to speak and create from your authentic self. After all, podcasting is all about truth and authenticity. It's such an intimate experience for the listener that truth and authenticity is a necessity. So this course is meant to help you get in touch with that or stay in touch with it, depending on where you are on your journey. And whether you're a podcaster or not, these exercises can be beneficial for anyone who's creating something and can be applied at any time during your process or even just your daily life. It's a great way to do some self-care and to explore your power and truth during this time of uncertainty. We all have a little more time right now, so let's try and use it in ways that will benefit us now and after this period. Give it a try. It's totally free. Just go to avanthousemedia.com or ahmcreate.com and create your login and the course will be there waiting for you. 